We are absolutely thrilled to be with you one more time as we're going to dig more into kingdom finances. I don't know, Patrick, what do you think? Is this a subject we should keep talking about? Oh, I believe so. If there are any time, it's such a time as this that, you know, to be on the leading edge of the spirit with Mm. finances and what's going on with the world. That's why I'm all ears for this. Well, I think it's an essential time. It's when we look at scripture. I call it the power of percentages. Okay. Whatever the Lord talks about, we need to talk about. Yes. And so scripture talks about healing. It talks about heaven. It talks about hell. It talks about um, salvation. But scripture talks continually about prosperity and finance because I think something we forget is in order to have dominion in the earth, there has to be finances. We're not trying to become rich like everybody else so that we can lord money right. or control people, but we need money for influence. Right. And so such as the love of money, it's just a love, but yeah. money in and of itself is a fantastic tool. Yes. It's, I, heard, I read one time that it's, it's like an exchange. It's, what it is is an exchange of value. I value what you have. Mm. I want to show the, the level of that value via this monetary no system. So, um, why not have dominion? Absolutely. That, you know, well, there's a great verse I love, which, which says money answers all things. Yes. And so I think sometimes what we forget is prayer, fasting, the word, preaching, teaching, um, discipleship, all of that is necessary components of the kingdom. But God says, if you are walking in my will and in my kingdom, always remember too. That one of the fastest way to fix a problem is there's some things you don't have to pray about. Just go buy it. Just go buy, buy it. it. <laughs> well, even I heard a, a pastor recently over a year or so said, you know, sometimes people don't need your prayers. Right. They need you to open your wallet. Yeah. Now, speaking of alms and givings and such like that, and that really struck me. Mm. There's some things the Lord says, just go and do it. And he said, if you had the resources or were stewarding your finances properly or were walking in what I called you to do, mm. you would have those things more readily available for you to just go out and do it and take dominion. Yes. You know, <laughs> there, there's a lot of times we wouldn't have to pray about um, people who are going into hospitals that are negligent. Yes. What would it be like if we simply built our own hospital? Mm. You don't have to pray about the school system being so messed up. If we have enough money to build three new universities yes. and eight high schools, suddenly we can train our kids in the very best environments and not have to worry and then let it be, test our kids against your kids and see if the kingdom principle works better. Right. Yeah. So I love what the Queen of Sheba says. When the Queen of Sheba shows up and she sees Solomon, she said, now, listen, they told me about your God mm-hmm. and I heard about your belief. But I see with my eyes the excellence in which all things are built and designed, the creativity, the wealth at hand, and how you even dress your servants. The utensils on the table are so far beyond excellent that now I know, because she was a woman of wealth, now I know that you and your God are greater than I imagined. Money used properly speaks about the kingdom of God. Absolutely. It's glorification. It's glorification of God. Yes. Money used for my own vain purposes speaks about myself. Whatever you use money or resources for is a declaration of intent and purpose. Yes. So to me, I love this. John Avanzini said years ago, 
Money is neither good nor evil. It is simply a magnifying glass revealing what's in your heart. That's what I was just thinking myself. It exposes what was already there. Yes. Be it good or evil. Be it good or evil. So let's talk about a couple of things. I want to talk about why, you know, God has put into his covenant, into his word, with Israel and with us, that one of the things God says is, I am going to prosper you. Now, if you hear this and your first your, your first emotional reaction is, oh, there they are talking about prosperity. Well, first of all, let me speak to that. Prosperity, if it is reduced to simply monetary gain, it has been used down through time to simply build the coffers of the priest of the house or the preacher or the people who could most use it for themselves right. and it left the house poor. But if we're teaching prosperity from a biblical perspective, which is whole, entire, increased and blessed, possessor of things for the purpose of bringing the kingdom to the world, of changing and healing humanity at large and bringing the name of Jesus into places where it is not known, then that is now a kingdom purpose and it is for all of us. Yes. He said to Abraham, I'll bless you and your seed. He said to Israel, I blessed you above all nations. And he says to us, this is your covenant of blessing. So we need to understand this is part of our rights as children of God. Absolutely. Yes, sir. So let's look at this. All right. The first verse, we're going to go throughout the book of Proverbs, but I, I want to touch on a verse that I had not thought of until we sat down together. Joshua 1.8. This is a verse many of you may know because it's one of those first verses that as you begin to walk with God, you want to put this in your arsenal. So Joshua 1.8 says, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night that you may observe to do according to all written therein. For then you shall make your way prosperous. Then you shall make your way prosperous. Then, I'm going to say it the third time, <laughs> you, it didn't say God, you, you shall make your way prosperous. In your court. Ah. So God says, if you stay in the word, if you follow what I put as principles in the word, yes. it is up to you what your world looks like with prosperity, increase and blessing. You determine the level of increase in your future wow. by how you handle the principles in your present. It made me think of uh, Deuteronomy 28. Come on. And just like when we talked with Solomon last week, where it, when David charged him, if Yes. You keep the words of the commandments of the words of our father. Then these things shall happen. Mm. And just like it said in Deuteronomy 28, with, with the same thing. There, uh, what do you call that? It's, uh, yeah, you have to meet a requirement. Yes. There is a requirement. There's a requirement. But it's also a blessing because unlike a lot of things, it's telling us exactly what to do. Absolutely. And the word works. The word works if, if you, you work, work it. it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's good. Yeah, I wonder where I got that. Well, I think I heard it before. <laughs> so, can I love you, that. Go ahead. Well, no, jumping off of what you said, can you imagine now that God gives us these promises and God says, if you do this, then I will do this. So it's covenant language. It's contract language. If you're writing a contract, two parties with a contract or a covenant, they always swear to each other. They give words to each other. 
Now we do it through lawyers. Back then, in ancient times, they did it. The two people who are swearing to each other, the heads of tribes or the heads of families or the heads of nations, they would stand face to face. And one would say, if you as a warrior king protect the boundaries of my city, then I, as a farmer king, will feed your troops for the next five years. If you, as a warrior king, give us shields and swords and teach us how to use them, I, as a farmer king, will send seed and farmers with you back to your land to help plow your land better. And they would swear to each other what they would do. So they would make an oath. Once they would swear to each other. Now, once they would say, if you, then they would say this. If you don't keep your word, I am not obligated to do anything I promise. And I have legal right to come take from you everything that you have. Because the breaking of an oath was the losing of a life. God made us a promise. And how did he solidify the promise? He says, I'm going to make you a promise, but I'm willing to lose my life to back up this promise to you. So Jesus made a promise to the father about you. And we got caught in the middle. And that's why it's the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Yes. Yes. And that's where people who struggle with Old Testament mindsets get stuck because they're still thinking. Well, I've got to keep every piece of the law, everything. No, the New Testament teaches us I'm going to keep the life of Christ in me, helps me walk according to the law. And I fulfill it. Why? Because he fulfilled it. And then he comes to dwell in me. So I'm not struggling to walk this out. I am birthed into a finished work. But if I will do the principles, that's where you got to know the principles. So this says, if you keep the word and meditate in it. Principles. If I'll study the principles, if I'll think about the principles, and if I practice the principles, so those three things. If I learn the principle, so the first thing is you cannot do what you do not know. You have to learn the principles about giving and receiving, sowing and reaping, tithing, offerings, first fruits and alms, Learn it. The second, now meditate on it. Think about it. Think about it until it becomes your whole identity. Let this rest in your mind. Many people hear the scriptures, but they don't make it part of their thinking process now. Can you can you elaborate on the definition of meditation? Oh, on yes. the Lord and on his precepts. Just if you can just go over that for a little for yes, a second sir. here. To meditate, literally in the Hebrew, it is the word that means to chew the cud like a cow. So when you think about a cow, if you've ever been around cows on a farm, um, I've been around a few in my life, and they will eat. Now, cows have two stomachs. So when a cow will eat, they'll eat, and then you'll see them an hour, two hours later, and they're chewing. But they're not actually pulling grass from the ground. They're not chewing hay. They have regurgitated what they ate a few hours earlier. What went into one stomach rose back up through their throat, 
They chew it a second time to break down the chlorophyll and the hard particles. Then they swallow it and it goes into the second gut. Mm. So to meditate means what I heard the first time, I will chew on later so that I can digest better tomorrow. Heard, chewed, and digested. Heard, chewed, digest. (laughs) Meditate doesn't mean I heard it. It means I digested it slowly. And that helps with the renewing of the mind. Yes. The inner man. Mm. Okay. Absolutely. Think about this. We do this sometimes. You and I, or any, any people who love the word, a day or two after you've had a revelation from God, you'll call someone and right. say, you know, the Lord said this to me. I just want to bounce this off of you. What do you think about this? That's meditation. Oh, okay. Yeah, because you're chewing it again. I see. Okay. See, most people will get something from God, write it in a notebook, close it up, never revisit it. But when you think about it later, when you talk about it later, when you go back to it in prayer, when you start to research the words that you heard, what does this mean for me? That's meditating. You're chewing it slowly. You know what? No wonder, and I have to credit Susan Miller with this, uh, she inspired me to get a journal Ah. uh, last year, the beginning of 2019. Mm -hmm. And I would do that because before I would log things on my phone, or, but I would never revisit or or meditate on it per se. And it was always because, partially I just, I didn't grow up journaling, Mm -hmm. but then also, I didn't also want to lose track of the now per se yes and so i figured well i'd rather study the word today hear what the lord's saying today than you know go back and revisit some things but i realized there's things you're missing if you don't take the time to meditate and the pull from it because it's it's, it's it'll be timeless it's from, obviously it's from the lord absolutely um obviously besides words of timing and such but, yes but when i started doing that i started getting more out of the revelation mm. it was getting engrafted because too many times i believe We'll get a word. We'll we'll sit with it for a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, release it, or do whatever we think to do with it, and then we never come back to it. Absolutely, and it's almost a disservice. I realized that if we don't sit and meditate and review, mm. um, we're not stretching out the full value of that thing completely. And and in essence, it's almost as though, especially us with a Western mindset, which is not a bad thing. It's just a different thing. But for us with a Western mindset. We treat a lot of the prophetic that we receive like a drive-through window. Exactly. So I received it hot from God. Exactly. If I don't consume it in the next couple of hours. That's how I would feel, yeah. It won't be any good tomorrow. <laughs> so I'll just throw this away and wait for the next hot word to come through the drive-through. Right. And so I'll just pull up at the window and ask somebody, have you got a word for me? You hear me? Because I need another hot word. Now, that's a bad conception, hmm. but that's a Western mindset. Because what the Bible teaches us is write the vision, make it plain, that they that read it may run. So journal it, put it in your phone, put it in your computer, share it with people. And then as the Lord leads you, as you bring it up in prayer, revisit it. And what you'll find is instead of thinking it's like a drive through, you'll realize it's like um, I call it those monthly food clubs. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. So I only ordered, I paid for one time, the fresh fruit of the month. But I didn't realize it was a 12-month subscription. So every month, I got pears one month, I got this one month. Okay, the same subscription keeps bringing me something fresh. 
That's what happens when you take a word from God and you begin to hold it and meditate on it. That same word will deliver something else to your spirit every time you revisit it. It's like it also helps with the timing of the word. Yes. Because we're so used to getting it hot off the press. It also comes with the con. We, we put a connotation upon it like this has to happen now. I have to uh, calculate and use this information mm. immediately. Yeah. Now, sometimes, obviously, that's, that is the case. Um, and so... Perhaps that's why we uh, don't use it like we should, because we haven't taken it back and let it play out as it needs to and meditate mm. and getting grafted to where we know, really truly understand timing and, and what yes. the Lord is really saying. Uh, something I would have done in the past or you know, still can do if I'm not careful mm. is whatever my current situation is, my current uh, stresses are, mm-hmm. will superimpose themselves upon the word and I'll have that, my glasses will be tinted that color. Absolutely. And I think... Perhaps going back in time and meditating helps Mm. get a bigger picture. I think what happens to a lot of us, and that is really well said, Patrick, that is spot on, is we hear in the spirit. We'll then perceive through our emotions. Then we expect through our situation. Oh, wow. So I'll hear in the spirit. That's why you'll wake up. And you'll know what God said. You'll have a dream. You'll have, you'll know a prophetic word. You write it down. You heard it. Boom. Now you start to see through your emotions. So depending on how much pain I'm in, how long this trouble has lasted, what my finances look like right. today, instead of just hearing what the word said, I start to see based on what I'm going through. Right. So now, oh, my emotions are, why is God taking so long? My emotion is I'm frustrated. My emotion is I don't feel like I can do it. Now, the moment I start to see incorrectly, I now expect based on my circumstances. Mm -hmm. So now my expectation level shrinks to my circumstances. And instead of building my expectation according to the level of what I heard, I now shrink the vision to meet what I think I can achieve. That's really good. Expectation shrinks to circumstances. circumstances. So I start to think, yeah, God said he's going to give me a ministry, but I've only got $1,000, so I'm going to have $1,000 worth of ministry. (laughs) But God is going, no, there's a million dollars worth of ministry in you. Don't let the $1,000 you currently have or the $100, or the $10, or the no dollars, get you to doubt that what you heard was, you're gonna travel around the world, one day raise up schools and impact a generation. But you start to see smaller because everybody in your world is operating at the same level as you are. Then you expect little because, ah, I'll never get beyond these barriers. So you can't shrink what you have heard to look like what you're living in. You've got to break out of what you're living in so that you can begin to believe what you're going to. It's like subconsciously burying your talent. It's all, oh, that's exactly what it is. And so would you say meditating and reviewing helps you to fight that per se? Meditating shatters that completely because the more I meditate on the word, my spirit man knows that God is true. My emotions have to be reminded Okay. So if I keep reminding, that's what David said. Why so downcast? Oh, my soul, put your hope in God. You've got to remind your emotions because your emotions are part of your soul. Your soul is the same soul born again. Your spirit is born of God. 
Your soul is being renewed, the renewing of your mind. So my memory, my will, my emotions, my imagination has to be transformed until it fully believes and agrees that the word of God is my only reality. So I can't let what's in my head mess up what's in my spirit. Yes. So meditation changes all of that. So you meditate long enough, you can form new memories. You meditate long enough, you let go of old pain. You meditate long enough, you get new pictures of where you're going instead of just dreaming about that old house you never escaped from. You meditate long enough, you start to see a different car in front of a different house in a different neighborhood. You see it's possible. But if you stop meditating on that word, you look around you and your neighborhood and you go, this is where my mama lived. This is where my grandmama lived. This is where I'll die. You start to believe your circumstance is your restriction. I see. Yeah. So waiting on the Lord, oh, meditating on the Lord is similar to the concept of waiting on the Lord, yes. which renews your strength, renews your mindset, renews uh, your understanding of what the Lord is truly saying. Absolutely. Amen. Yes, sir. So there was learn, meditate. That was number two. So learn, meditate, and then he says, observe, do it. Observe. Oh, observe means to do it? Observe means to do. Okay. Yes. And observe to do. Observe to do. Oh, observe to do, yes. Mm -hmm. So to observe something literally means we use that word now when we hear observe, but he says observe to do. So he literally means after you hear it and think about it, after you meditate on it, he says, now you got to get up and do it. So what happens is if I take that word in, the reason the Lord says he'll make prosperity find me or you will prosper your way is because what I heard now becomes what I think. What I think becomes what I do. And what I do, if I'm doing the principles of the word, I am now doing a supernatural activity that will produce a supernatural harvest. I like that. Because whatever's in the word, God partners with you on. So God says, if you're doing what's in my book and you've heard it so that you're changing what's coming into your ear gate, you are meditating on it so that now your mindset becomes that of an overcomer and you begin to do it so that now you're partnering with my word. Then all of heaven now shows up to work with you because a supernatural act requires a supernatural harvest. And even the act that just a principle or what's seemingly simple is now supernatural. Absolutely. Amen. Every principle of the word is a supernatural, supernatural. gateway. Ooh, principles equal supernatural gateways. Yes, sir. You're stepping into something greater. Would you say they're also, I think I've heard you say this, um, like the banks of a river, the, yes. like, like the word, I think you called the word, the banks of a river. Yes, sir. Similar to the principles. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's exactly principles are unmoving, immovable. So like oh. the banks of a river, the principles hold you in to the place where the blessing flows. So the river is the full weight of the revelation and power and presence of God. Everything that comes from God, it's in the river. But if the banks aren't there, then it just becomes a flood. You lose the momentum okay. and the life that's in the river because what could have become a fishing place, a place to move boats with commerce, a place to build a city beside the bank of a river, if there are no banks, if the banks keep getting broken, that now just becomes muddy flood water. Yeah, that's true. So we lose dominion, territory, and land. 
increase. I just heard about that. Water, what do they call water rights? Water, it's, yes. Like water rights. It's almost like you lose your rights for say, you, if the if the banks aren't there, that's the right. principles of words. Yes. Hmm. That's why many people say, well, you know, I tithe, but nothing happens for me. Or I give and nothing happens for me. Right. So you have to understand that the principles are unmoving. What does that mean? Every principle will produce for you if you practice it continually. continually. So that means you've got to stay by the bank of the river, stay in the principle and connect with the water. Now, if I operate in the principles and I'm where the water is flowing, which means now I must give, sow, pour in where there's water flowing. Because if I'm by the bank, but I'm pouring everything into a dry riverbed, mm. then the principles are in place, but there's no life to activate the principle. Life to activate the principle. So there must be life with principles to produce increase. That's good. Yeah. Turn the page here. <laughs> a lot of good stuff. Life plus principles produces increase. Because wherever there's a principle, it is a gateway for the supernatural harvest of God. So God says, I honor principles, but there must be life in the midst of principles. Why? Because if there is no life, then the letter killeth. Oh, the spirit brings life. So religion is when people take principles without relationship. I see. And they spend all of their time telling you, here's what you should be doing. Right. But we're not doing it because we believe God is angry. We're not doing it because we're trying to make ourselves famous or important. We're participating with our father because his desire is to cause heaven's bounty to show up in earth's reserve. Hmm. So God says, this is not laborious. This is not to wear you out or wear you down. This is partnering with me so I can give you in a moment what a lifetime could not bring. Wow. My That's the power of it. Amen. To give you in a moment what a lifetime could not bring. One thing that just hooks into this, the last part of that verse, for then you shall make your way prosperous and you shall have good success to underline the you part. So it's all about us now. <laughs> he says, if you do the first part, automatically you have made your way prosperous and you shall have good success. But I'm taking away the glory of God if I say you or me. That's just somebody that doesn't know the word? That's somebody who doesn't know the word okay. because you can't steal what is already given. Oh, okay. That's good. And you have to rightly divide every place. This is a good place to throw this out. Every place in scripture where it says glory, it's not actually translated the same way. So we have to know the word glory actually has four different translations. In some place, it is the splendor, the splendidness of God. Okay. In another place, it literally means resources or riches. In another place, it means the greatest thought one could have about a thing. Oh, that's awesome. So we need to determine when people say, oh, you're taking God's glory. Well, which glory does that verse refer to? 
Because in that verse, God is not talking about you being able to take his very power away, nor his praise. Mm. All he's saying is, God says, don't take credit for what I'm doing. In other words, I'll give you anything if you give me credit for it. So participate in it. (laughs) Yeah, it's your victory. But after you say, yay, we won. Thank you, God, for helping us. Life is simple. So even uh, one of my favorite scriptures in the Psalms when David says, uh, from the end of my, or to the, from the end of my glory, and David says, from my glory, yes. will I praise you. Yes. From the, from his greatest thought, from his resources, yes. all those things are probably what he was talking about. That's exactly what he's referring to. David is talking about, he said, in the greatest level of living I can create, I will give you the greatest reflection of you I can wow. release. So literally, you living at the highest level that God has given you permission to live in the earth is you giving praise to him. Yes. So God says, you really want to bring me glory? Break out of every limitation that they told you you had to live in. You really want to bring me glory? Why? Because when you are standing in front of people and you're standing there saying, God helped me do this. But God. God said, now that's my glory. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Not false humility. Not false humility. That's my glory. Yes, sir. When you're standing at the winner's circle and they say, how did you outrun everybody in that marathon? How did you lift more um, in that dead lift when you were like a Samson? How did you create a technology never seen before, not in any realm? How did you write a movie that's now made more money than any studio in time past? How did you pen a book that sold a million copies in four months? How did you do these things? Oh, well, God was with me and helped me do it. So God says, you can't really give me glory in front of the nations unless the nations are looking at you. Uh So you got to do something (laughs) big enough (laughs) to get attention. That is good. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Where were we? That was glory. And then uh, (laughs) I can remember now. No, no. So that's, he says, prosperity. You'll make your way prosperous. Now, Two other verses I'm going to throw in and then we'll stop here. We'll come back to the rest of this later. There's so much in this. Proverbs 10, 22. Proverbs 10, 22. We're going to throw this out and then we're going to just let y'all chew on this. You'll be able to meditate. There you go. Now, Proverbs 10, 22. I love this verse. This is one of the verses that I have heard people teach on and share on most when it comes to understanding the divine resources of God. It's also one of the places I've seen that people have misunderstood God's greatness and glory in, a, in such a powerful way. So this is what it says. Proverbs ten twenty two: the blessing of the Lord, the blessing of the Lord maketh rich. And he addeth no sorrow with it. The blessing of the Lord maketh rich. Wow. And he adds no sorrow with it. The blessing. The blessing of the Lord maketh rich. Now, I understand there's a lot of people as we're talking because, now let me hit this right now. For those who grew up, 
who were convinced that any form of prosperity teaching was somehow immoral and unholy. I want to touch on that because that's bad doctrine. God does not teach us that we are supposed to seek after wealth, but he does say, if you serve me, I will bless you. Now, in time past, many denominations, especially some of our Pentecostal um, brothers and sisters, when they began to understand that God said he wanted to prosper us or charismatic brothers and sisters, they took it to the extreme. Any revelation once restored is often taken too far because it's been missing for too long. So it's like when we hear the word on healing, there was a time when people, when they began to teach on healing, they would say, well, if you aren't healed automatically, if you take an aspirin, if you take an Advil, if you go to the doctor, you have no faith. Well, we know that's utter nonsense. Mm -hmm. Because God gave wisdom to the doctors and Luke was a physician. Yeah. So Jesus didn't have a problem with having doctors nearby. He had no problem with that because however you get better, God loves humanity. But the highest realm is that God wants us healed and healthy by his spirit and power. So we're living in the highest form of strength. Yes. God wants to prosper us. But not being prospered financially in every season of your life or living in a season where you're going through a struggle is not a sign that you are in sin or doubt. We want to make that clear because that's what some groups were teaching, that if you are struggling financially, it's a lack of faith. No, there are seasons that we all walk through where you may have opposition, things to learn, things to conquer. So we learn and we grow. But what it does mean, it is his will to give it. Yes. So never throw away the truth of scripture because of your current situation. That's what we were referring to Absolutely. earlier. A lot of people threw away God's truth about finances, prosperity or increase, because we look around the world and go, well, what about all those who are struggling with poverty? What about all that? Well, what about all those who are dying and going to hell? Mm -hmm. So we don't throw away the truth that the gospel can save a man's soul. We don't throw away I the see. truth That's good. that just because the hospitals are full, God's still a healer. Right. So we don't throw away the truth that just because people are poor, God's not a blesser. He is a blesser. Yes, he is. So the truth of who he is can change the situation we're in Absolutely. if we embrace it. So don't teach it and preach it as an adversarial divisive word to say those are better than these because they understand the truth. No. Teach it in a way where all can apprehend it. Second piece that goes with it. Historically, now I may get in trouble for this, but I don't mind. <laughs> Religion, by definition, in order to control people, has always made prosperity a thing for leaders and not for the house. So what religion has done, because we built churches based on an agricultural colonial mindset rather than a kingdom model, the kingdom model is we have fivefold ministry raising up leaders who will go out and reproduce kingdom in their own world. And we have all things common so that those who are blessed, when we come together, if people are struggling in the house of God, they had all things common. We share in the house so that those who are struggling can have needs met and we raise, raise them up. Because we didn't stick with that, we moved to an agricultural or a colonial mindset in church, which means we have the mass number of people 
bringing in the majority of money so that a few people live off of what everybody brings. Instead of using the majority of finances that comes into the house to reshape communities, rebuild neighborhoods, and restructure generations, we began to figure out ways in order for a handful to say, y'all are here to pay me. I see, yeah. Now, let's be clear. The workman is worthy of their hire. Every teacher, every preacher, every apostle and prophet, every pastor, every minister who's in full-time ministry, you're supposed to eat of the fruit of your field. That's absolute. But we are not supposed to teach or control that people's prosperity is simply so that we can become a bigger temple while their homes shrink and fade away. We are supposed to teach people how to prosper and grow, teach them the principles of the word so they can work it for themselves and then live at the level of the rest of the people in our house. If you are going to be blessed above what your house is blessing, create a product. So if you write a book, fine. If you are teaching material, great. Sure. If you start business, it's good. But if the wealth of the house is coming just to fatten the few at the top of the house, that is Eli the priest yes. who became wicked before God because he ate the portion that should not have been his, that should have gone to the Lord and the work of the Lord. He let his sons bring him extra. He ate more than he should have so that he went blind and fat which is what happens when we take the prosperity that God needs for the house so we can reshape communities and we make it just for a handful. We first go blind. Well, the prophetic will well. not flow for people who take what belongs to God for the restructuring of people and the breaking of poverty and the transforming of communities when we could be building schools and we're just building another wing onto the same church building that has already had five expansions. When we're trying to build a bigger name for ourselves and we're using the money to build a bigger platform, when we still have eight homes next door to the church where there is a old woman, a widow or an orphan who's not being taken care of. So God says, I'll bless you. You can be blessed and grow. You can live well. But you have to make sure you don't eat it all yourself. You go blind. That's why the prophetic stops flowing. That's why people stop hearing God. That's why the worship loses its edge. Because God said you go blind. Why? Because when you're ruled by your own desire more than the will of God, he will let you only see what you've always seen. So a blind man lives in memories. Wow. So leaders in the kingdom who can only talk about past miracles, past anointings, past visitations, past words of God. You are living in the visions in your own head. That means you've gone blind. You can get your vision back, but if you've gone blind, it's because you got fat on what somebody else took that should have gone to the house of God or to the people. And then he was blind and fat. Well, what does that mean? It says Eli sat upon his chair. And he was fat. It says he was so fat when he heard the news that the glory was departed. He fell over and broke his neck. Well, two things about that. Number one, a priest, according to the word of God, once a priest goes blind, he's not supposed to be a priest That's anymore. Right, right, yeah. So that means I have refused 
to deal with my own issue because I love my position more than my passion for God. And he was ignoring those principles. He ignored. Now we're back to principles. Yeah. He ignored the principles to keep a position. Now, because you ignore principles to keep position, now the weight of your own life Oof. is going to break your authority as headship. He fell over and broke his neck. That means the neck, speaking of headship, God says your headship ends, your authority ends, your leadership ends when what? When the weight of your own disobedience to principles finally catches up to mm, you. Because mm, mm. the word works if you work it. Yes, sir. So now your sons, and I want to say this, I, oh, this is one of well, those. I was that, yeah. yeah, I wasn't either. <laughs> Keep going. Keep going. But this is one of those moments. When we have to understand God is calling us back to understand biblical prosperity, not worldly prosperity or prosperity for myself to make myself fat and full and blind. Because what many of us do in an Eli moment is we ignore the sin of our sons because they're bringing me what I desired. So I'm not sinning. I'm not stealing. I'm not compromising, but I'm not correcting you when you do. Had a blind eye. Had a blind eye. That's perfectly said. So I've turned a blind eye to my sons so long that God said, if you're going to be blind to their compromise, then you can just go blind in your anointing. You don't need the oil if you're not going to correct your own house. You don't need this position if you won't straighten your own children. And you don't need that chair if you're not gonna get up and serve me. So God in an instant replaced Eli with a Samuel, one who had no connection to the fatness of the past, to the system that was in disarray and was not connected to covering sons who were in disobedience. Samuel came for one reason. I heard his voice and I wanna follow him. This is a word to many of us that God is calling us back into another level of kingdom prosperity and kingdom responsibility. But if we're going to walk in it, we cannot ignore the Hophnes and the Phineases, yes. those who have done wrong by the house of God by taking portions for themselves and have made unrighteous covenants to keep leadership quiet because you don't have to do what I'm doing, but I'll cut you a check on the side to keep mm -hmm. you quiet. God said, none of that's going to work in this season. Yes. He'll bless you if you choose the principles, yes. but he'll replace you if you choose people over principles. Yes. Be blessed or be replaced, but prosperity is coming. Whether you get to handle it or simply watch it is the choices we make. That's a, that's a strong word, but as you were speaking it and you just said it right there, the Lord releasing that because the prosperity is coming. Yes. The repositioning is coming. Yes. The glory is about to break out, is breaking out, and it's going to continue to break forth. Um, I believe that was a word for, for the hour right there. It's it's yes, an sir. encouraging word. It's a strong mm -hmm. word, but it's an encouraging word because it's coming forth. I believe that. And we have to handle it correctly. Because this was literally, we weren't intending to no, go in that direction. Not at all. I was not expecting that. But the Lord yes. took us there because I, I agree with you. I think there is a release of resources and influence that is coming. Long prayed for and long prophesied. But I think the Lord is also telling us, be positioned in our hearts yes. 
and be ready in the principles so that we don't make the mistakes that many of our forefathers made, where when the blessing came, we got distracted by the gold, the glory, or the girls. Mm -hmm. Let our hands be clean, let our hearts be right, and let us build according to God's plan. Yes, sir. Patrick, pray for us. Well, Father, we just say thank you for this word today. Um, Lord, we just say thank you for how you weave in uh, the things you, you have for us, God, yes. um, through your prophet and through these words and the things that we study. Lord, we just say thank you for your spirit that is yes. flowing here, Lord. Thank you for your spirit that is going into every house and ear that is open to, mm. to what you are saying, God. And Lord, we just open our, our hearts to you and we say yes. Yes. Yes to this word, Father. We say yes to being positioned correctly in our hearts, Lord. Yes. Lord. Because we believe you, Lord. Mm, yes, we believe we what you are doing in this hour. We believe what you are releasing in this hour, Father. Yes. We know that river which flows from your throne is 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 breaking through, is about to break forth, Lord God. Yes. And we know that your glory is going to cover this land and this world, Father. Yes. So, Lord, we just say thank you for the preparation. And we yes. ask that you continue to get our houses in order, Lord. Yes, We would Lord. get our houses in order, Father. Yes. And we just say thank you that you are just... Um, leading us in a plain path right now mm. we say thank you that the lines are falling unto us in pleasant places yes Father. yes and maybe recognize where you're correcting us in this hour and where you're uh just setting things in array yes Father, because we believe you are setting this move in array right now yes we do and lord we want to be positioned correctly yes. so we say yes to you again yes lord we say yes to you Father, yes. in jesus name in jesus name amen